Colin, Samir, welcome to the Colin and Samir, and Samir Show. show. We've never done that before, but welcome to the Colin and Samir Show. Uh, on today's episode, we are doing creator support. You guys ask us questions and we answer them. That's not, it's not me to do the tagline. Who do you think you are giving yeah, the tagline? All right, you, you, give you know one. the tagline. What is it? It's if you're someone who <laughs> is involved in the business of creativity and you create videos and you're having a hard time and you need support and you need answers, this show will help you. Period. Scranton Paper <laughs> Company. <laughs> I felt like that scene in the office. <laughs> I didn't even follow that tagline. Uh, if you're new here, I'm Samir. I'm Colin. And we've been making videos together online for the past 10 years on YouTube. And on this show, we answer your questions that you asked. On this episode, we're going to talk about our recent trip to Rhett and Link. We're going to answer questions about the top insights we've learned from creators over the past couple of years. We're also going to cover Be Real, the new hot app. And we're going to talk about some specific questions from people who edit for other creators. All right, let's get into it. All right, so first and foremost, we came back from break and fully hit the ground running on production. Oh boy, were we in it with the Tommy in it episode. Yeah, that's right. That's all right. We were in it. We, we, we released Tommy. Then we interviewed Reed, Mr. Beast Manager. We interviewed Jarvis Johnson. We interviewed Rhett and Link yesterday and went to the mythical office. And that's all in five days. Uh, so it was a pretty intense block of time. A lot of post-production going on. We also had our episode go live, which was very experimental, where we had our past guests, like other creators, interview us and ask us questions. So a lot to, lot to talk about in the world of Colin and Samir before we get to some of these creator support questions that you guys submitted from us. Yeah, I mean, very interesting week, but also kind of like scheduling nightmares. Yeah. You know, yeah. five good things right in a row is a lot of good things yeah, to try yeah, and yeah. deal with, and it's been hard to transition from thing to thing. I would have thought before break that we would have finished our episode about Tommy in it, and maybe even the episode we released today, the Q&A, so that mm -hmm. when we came back from break, we could sort of rest easy, have the episode yeah. scheduled, ready to come out, and take the time to prep for these interviews and be ready, but that wasn't the case. It was really yeah. landing and getting right into it. I think we've talked about this uh, in our video that's called Why uh, Emma Chamberlain Quit YouTube Again, which is a lot about creator burnout and how this cycle kind of doesn't allow you the space to think. Like you finish a video and you start working on the next one. When it gets really challenging is when you haven't finished that video and you're starting to work on the next one and you're working on the next one, the next one, the next one. Like you're, you're in the cycle, but none of the cycles have completed. That's when it gets extremely challenging. And I yeah, think yeah. it's self-imposed, but to, to shift now to talk about like the experience of being at Rhett and Link's space yesterday, because that, that was a big moment to like go to Rhett and Link's studio. Yeah, I mean, they are creators who, you know, they're in their 40s. They've been doing this for a really long time. They've been friends for 38 years. Yeah, that's crazy. We had the opportunity to speak to them once before mm -hmm. yesterday. And we take a lot of inspiration from just how they've been able to do it for this long. Right. Yeah. I would imagine it's similar to a rookie in the NBA looking up to LeBron and being like, how are you still playing at this age? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, they've done their show, Good Mythical Morning, for 10 years over 2,200 episodes, they've never missed, never put out a tweet that said, video not coming out. That's wild. That's amazing. So learning about that and also seeing how their operation works, 
I think it brings up a lot because we talk a lot about, oh, you know, creators are the modern media companies. They actually are that. Like they are the actualization of that statement. And I think what's really interesting is exploring how many creators want that reality or do, or do creators just want to make, you know, like are there creators who just want to make stuff and, you know, make videos regularly and not necessarily build out. They have 125 people who work there. You know, I was on the phone with Jimmy this morning, Mr. Beast. He's, he's hiring like crazy. He just sponsored our newsletter, by the way, uh, he's hiring 20 positions. So by the way, we'll put the link for that in the description of this podcast, but just as a frame of reference, like he's got hundreds of people. Mythical's got hundreds of people. Mythical also sponsored the newsletter. Mythical did also, sponsor which is very nice when creators sponsor the newsletter. It just feels nice. good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, the question I think a lot of creators are going to get to ask themselves and hopefully they're fortunate enough to ask themselves is, do you want to become a media company or do you just want to be a creator? Do you just want to have a lean setup and just, you know, take this journey on for as long as it goes, you know, be more of that five to seven year, potentially lifespan creator. Who's like, you do it for a period of time, you maximize. Yeah. And then maybe you move on or it just goes into a different iteration. That's one style. Then you've got the Mr. Beasts and the Retin Links who are in this for the super long haul and have built these massive organizations and company handbooks. And, you know, it, it, you walk into Mythical and it really does feel like when we were at BuzzFeed. It yeah. doesn't feel as much like a creator office. It feels like a media company office. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch over the next couple of years of what does the longevity of creators look like? And Rhett and Link are one example of creators who've been on the platform since 2006, since it started. They've been uploading. They still upload. Like that's that's one of the most unique examples of, you know, a, cr a group of creators who just kept doing it. I think Dude, Dude Perfect. Dude Perfect, yeah. Phil DeFranco. Phil DeFranco. And yeah. then you wonder with some of the creators we've had on the show, MKBHD, Mm-hmm. You know, does he move into the more media network model? He launched his studio channel, which is more of behind the scenes of his operation. You know, Babish turned into the Babish culinary universe and had different characters. We're seeing some of these creators already do that. When you were there, what does it feel like for you of like uh, leaning towards like, oh yeah, this is like, we want to build mythical, uh, like, like 125 people working here, you know, building out different media properties no, I mean, no, I'm shaking my head yeah, at yeah, Samir yeah, right now, yeah. but it just feels like headaches that and problems that I'm not interested in spending my time solving. Right. And Rhett and Link maybe don't even spend their time solving. They probably have, they've hired people who yeah, solve yeah, those problems. Done a really good job so that, I can't yeah. fully speak to what that would be like. Maybe they do just get to be creators mm -hmm. and there are all these people around them, you know, who solve the problems they don't want to solve. I imagine that's the case, but it just feels like when I see all of those people in there, I could never imagine my creative output on YouTube specifically being the reason that all of these people come to work every mm. day and like being their sense of financial security, mm -hmm. you know? And then the fact that their financial security is completely dependent on where I am as a person and my creative journey, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm consistent enough. I look at over 2,200 episodes of good mythical morning for over 10 years. I'm not sure I'm consistent enough as a person to sustain that. Mm to then allow a company like that to grow. Yeah, that's, like, that's good insight. We, remember yeah. when we asked Victoria Paris, are you a creative person? Yeah. And she said, I'm not a creative person, I'm a consistent person. 
And the value of being consistent with a, with a singular brand yeah. on social media is super important. Super important. I mean, I, I want to save some of this stuff for, for everyone who's listening to, to be able to listen to these interviews that we've done, but some of the insights that we've pulled, you know, around, especially when you look at the longevity of YouTube, something that came up was like, you can't really be that preferential around what you're making over a long period of time. Meaning if you find the thing that works, you build on that thing. And what Colin's talking about is like being very creative suggests maybe sometimes you aren't as consistent. You're like, God, I'm done. Like I don't, if I was doing good mythical morning for 10 years, there's definitely years where I'm like, I don't want to do this. Creativity is all about uncertainty. Yeah. It's like spontaneity. And, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a challenging push pull because then if you sign up for the creative spontaneous life, sometimes you don't know where your next check's coming from. And you don't, you don't have a compounding effect of like, We've been doing Good Mythical Morning for 10 years, so it compounds. There's more audience, more revenue, more, more, more as it's building upon itself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really challenging thing. And I think these conversations over the past week, the break, that's, it's, it's brought up a lot of conversation between us around what does this future look like? You know, I think that's, that's the case for a lot of creators. How, how, how much is enough, we always ask. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> What yeah. do you really want? Uh-huh. So... Um, I will say also like on that note, probably our most personal episode, which was the last one uh, here on this podcast feed, which is also out on YouTube, experimental for us. Uh, there's a lot of feedback on Reddit right now. So we appreciate you guys sharing that feedback. That's, that's I mean, really cool. Thumbnail feedback, yeah. positive, negative, all types of stuff. And mm -hmm. we're reading through it and talking with the team and making changes and it's great. I think it's fun to experiment. You know, we put our faces in the thumbnail, which is not something we typically do ever. Yeah. So it was a deliberate choice to put our faces in the thumbnail, see how it did. And, you know, the great thing is, is we always have an opportunity to adjust. Yeah. And even though, Colin, it's a nine out of 10, my mind has not yet gone to burning this building down, <laughs> shutting down the channel and moving to another country where I can just live as a barista. Wow. Well, that's, that's a positive. Yeah, it's positive, right? <laughs> that's good. <laughs> For reference, when we get a 10 out of 10, sometimes, actually, no, 100% of the time, that is the thought that goes through my head. So now this man is not yeah. letting YouTube studio control his life, at least not today. Not today. All right, let's get to our first question. Then we'll come back to some of these happenings in the world of the creator economy. But this question says, after interviewing dozens of YouTube top creators, what is the one thing you've learned that they all have in common? This is from Gabriel. Uh, this is a very relevant question to what we were just talking about. We just literally went through many, many interviews. And yes, over the past year, I'm not positive that there's any other person who's spoken to the amount of YouTube creators for the amount of time we've spoken to them. Um, and I actually have been thinking about that a lot around what are the similarities? And something I always say is radical focus is something that comes up a lot. It, it, I remember sitting with Marquez Brownlee and Mr. Beast, like pretty close together and having them both continuously say and honestly talk about how much energy they had around making videos. Yeah, that's what came to mind for me was that they all liked YouTube enough mm -hmm. to not quit. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, for us, we've liked it enough yeah, to yeah. not quit. It's the same type of thing. You know, you speak to Marquez and he's been a fan of the YouTube space. He's been critical at times of the company. Yeah. But at his core, he loves the sort of democratic nature of telling stories and what it can do for people mm -hmm. and the way you can build a business off of it. I think you know, every creator we talk to, everyone that wants to come on the show, for the most part, follows YouTube closely. And they, they, watch, 
they watch our show. Yeah. Right. right. And they want to talk about this thing that we're all doing. They just like it enough that even if for some reason they had to stop making videos, I imagine they would still be a fan of people who make mm-hmm. videos. Agreed. And I think, that, you know, on the other side, it's like the, one of the easiest things to do is complicate your business as you get successful. That's the easiest thing to do. As you start having any level of success, people are inviting you to things. Again, we've mentioned this multiple times on this podcast. It just happened again. You get invited to Dubai. We've been invited to Dubai so many times. Flex. But Dubai invite flex. I, I'm just saying the invite to Dubai is representative of all the things that are coming at you as cool opportunities. Does it make you not want to go to Dubai because we're getting invited so much? No, I just think it's inevitable. We're going to be in okay. Dubai. Yeah. Right. Doesn't feel less exciting. Because the first time we got invited to Dubai, I was like, Dubai. Oh, interesting. Now, and now you're like, Dubai. Kind of unfortunately, we've had to turn down so many Dubai's? invitations yeah. to Dubai. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, maybe we don't need to go to Dubai. What's so great about Dubai? You know? Well, I'll say this, that a lot of the top creators... Go to Dubai? No, it's not even a conversation. Yeah, That's out of right. the question. It's they not even, no. it's, they don't even spend the time having the conversation because it's not making videos. And that, it doesn't help them in making videos. And I think that is the thing. It's this radical focus saying, I've selected this thing as my work. I'm going to make videos. They are really good at saying no. No. Extremely good at saying no and being like, is that helpful to my next video? Let's actually play a clip from Thomas Bragg from Yes Theory when he was on the show talking about the value of saying no, because his videos have been great lately. If you say yes to everything, you're actually not saying yes to anything because you're not prioritizing anything really in your personal life as well. And we had a friend who said, when you do say no, you say no here, but you say yes to yourself. And I think that's a really powerful thing to to remember. And I think Amar's always been very clear with yeah. with that, right? Yes. Like making sure that there is a deep sense of integrity in, in each decision. And saying no to something doesn't mean it's the end of your career or end of your life, yeah. you know, or necessarily this relationship is over. You're just you know, showing that you respect yourself and, and your, your own intuition further. And Amar's always been pushing us. And yeah. Coming out of that, I mean, I feel like, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with Thomas in, in 2020 and, and really experience him um, as an artist and recognize like he's the type of guy who can't help but go make these YouTube videos. And I really am so enamored and, and infatuated by these types of artists. And I feel like he's having this like artistic awakening right now between the honey hunters video and the Syria video they just released. If you guys haven't watched those go to yes theory and check out their last two videos. I mean, these are movies like the quality of this stuff is if you saw it on Netflix, it would be stuff that people talk about. Like people would be like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Like it is at that quality level and the storytelling might be even better because it's just a guy going and doing it. I think another commonality then across all of these creators we've spoken to is either they are great editors slash storytellers, or they have a great relationship with their editor storyteller, right? We know Thomas is an editor himself, is a storyteller, mm-hmm. but he also has a great team of editors and storytellers. Right. Yeah. And that Samir was a segue into our next question. Question is from editor. That's all it says. Yeah. And the question says, I'm an editor for a prominent YouTuber and my editing equipment is slowing me down. Is buying new gear an expense I should be responsible for or would it be appropriate to ask my YouTuber boss to cover the charge? Here's what I would say. If you're full time for that creator and they're not 1099ing you, like you're not a freelancer, Mm -hmm. then yes, the creator should 100% 
be paying for that. Yeah, I think if you are a freelancer, I don't think it's out of pocket to ask, but you should probably buy it yourself so it's yours. That would be like the most beneficial to you, right? Because if like the YouTuber buys it, they can buy it for you. It might be technically like their property. Like you might be using a company laptop to edit. Yeah, if you're right. especially if you're remote, yeah, right? And they're buying remote, it for you. Yeah. You have to the expectation then is that if you stop working there, yeah, you give it back. Right. So it would be, I think though, it's a, it's a reasonable thing to say, like if you have a good working relationship, it, let's just play this out. If we had a remote editor or, you know, an editor is working from home and they, we were in really enjoying working with them and they were helping us and they were like, I need a new laptop. I don't think I'm second guessing putting up the money for that new laptop because you have become such a valuable asset as an editor to me that if you can do your job better and faster and more comfortable, I'm in, I'm mm -hmm. in, it's worth it for me. If I'm running like a proper business where, you know, all this is financially working, then yeah, of course. So I don't think it's out of pocket to say, Hey, YouTuber boss, I need a new laptop. Can we talk about how that can happen? I've never heard anyone say YouTuber boss. That's what all of our employees call me. It sounds like it reminds me of the movie <laughs> boss baby. <laughs> like it doesn't feel, it feels like it diminishes. It's like, yeah, it's a boss, but it's a, it's a YouTuber, it's a YouTuber boss. boss. It also so. feels like undercover boss. Like, is that a show? YouTuber <laughs> yeah, boss. YouTuber boss. Yeah, like, yeah. It makes it sound really unofficial. Make me five different thumbnail examples. Yeah. Um, I think if, if anyone at, at our company called me YouTuber boss, that would be a gripe that I would have. Interesting. I would say you can't, please don't call me a YouTuber boss. Okay. We're going to do one more question because it's also from editor. And then we will go into my gripe because you brought up gripes. Okay. Uh, and there are also, there's a whole gripes tab on our Reddit now. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing. It's like, yeah. I love it. We'll get to that. So let's, good. let's get to this next question. All right. Is it right for Tommy in it to hide the name of his editors? So this question pertains to our interview with Tommy in it. Tommy in it um, talked a lot about building this system of editors. And it was really cool to hear him. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would highly recommend listening to, to Tommy in it. He's very entertaining, but he's also just so sharp for an 18 year old of how he's built his systems and processes for his company. Um, but he was pretty clear about not wanting to say the names of his editors. Certain editors. He actually editors. did say that he likes to credit a lot yeah. of his editors, a lot of the ones that have been there for a while with him since the beginning, but that he has a new process where he splits up the work so he has someone who, you know, does a pass for comedy, someone who just sets it up, another person who does audio, another person who does music, right? So he has this whole team of editors who play smaller parts in the overall picture of the video and that some of those people, he, you know, didn't want to share their names. Yeah. Um, do you have a strong opinion on this? Not really. My only opinion is that it's a conversation that, potentially should be had with the person who's editing for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? I think like, it should be understood before you go into it. Is that something that's important so, to you that I'm, you know, like I think it's something that also a lot of editors would want and should ask if it matters to you, can I post about working with you? Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's on the creator yeah. to say, no, in this arrangement, I would rather it be more like private behind yeah. closed doors or yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think as a, as a frame of reference, what's really interesting is in traditional Hollywood, a lot of times credit is negotiated into a deal saying like you will get X amount of money and credit. Now, I actually think that credit is a really cool thing in creativity and like an important thing. Um, 
I like credit and creativity. Same. And I think the reason why it's happening is because good editors right now or good staff members are an incredibly scarce resource in the creator economy. And how we react to scarcity as an industry is right now, it's like, well, then no one should know about my editor because if you take it, there's no one else. Like it's such a scarce resource to have good help. Um, I think that's the, that's the biggest challenge right now. And so credit, I think is a fantastic thing in creativity, but scarcity creates fear. And with fear, it's like, I don't think, you know, I don't think Tommy is right or wrong in saying he doesn't want to say their names. Like that's a reality. And again, I think if the editor is unhappy with it, then they should voice it to, to Tommy and say, I'd like to be credited. And that conversation can be normalized. That's a, that's a normal conversation in creativity. Totally. Yeah. All right, Samir, I know you got gripes. You've been telling me you've had a gripe for the last few days, so it better be a good one. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to say this is like the most profound gripe of all time, but it, it, it I didn't mean me. to put your it, gripe on a pedestal. It, yeah, I'm it sorry. me. I was sitting at a coffee shop in a real flow state, okay? Like in a, re- just one of those just great coffee shop writing, mm-hmm. working days. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's a guy next to me to my left. Okay turns to me. Now he's got a lot of different things. He's got a wallet. He's got keys. He's got a phone and he take picks okay, up his bag. Well, if you're going to end there, I think no, all these no, are no, perfectly no, reasonable. No. He takes his bag, takes his bag with him, which has a laptop. And he looks at me and he goes, Hey man, I got to run out for a little bit. Can you watch my stuff? Hmm. It's an undetermined amount of time. Okay. <laughs> undetermined amount of time. Yeah. And he grabs his bag and leaves. Now he's got his car keys, his wallet, which is weird. Why is your wallet there? And his phone. These are essential things that he has kept on the table that I'm sharing with him at this coffee shop. Yeah. I don't know this man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's pranking me. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, that's a problem. I also have no idea when he's coming back. What if I was about to leave? I'll tell you what. What if I needed to leave? The problem with this maniac yeah. that you're speaking of yeah. is... I got to run for a little bit. A little bit. You should have said, I don't know your life. Yeah. I don't know what a little bit a is little bit. in your world. Yeah. And look, if it was an emergency, declare it. Because then, hey, you're here for the people. I'm here to help. Yeah, yeah. You're sure. an emergency. Sure, sure. Let me know. What do I need to do? I'll yeah. watch your stuff. I'll walk your dog. Whatever you need. Yeah. But the fact that he was that vague. Yeah. Of, hey, man, I got to run out for a little bit. And he gave you his most valuable possessions. Yeah, it was so odd. And I was like, yeah. what, yeah. man? Ma- and so, maniac mentality. So, so I, I didn't know what to do. So like, you know, and sometimes in those scenarios, if I'm in a flow state, I forget that that's part of my responsibility, right? That I need to watch this guy's stuff. That That's part of my responsibility. Okay. So then I was like, how do I make this a part of my responsibility? So I took out my stuff, okay? My wallet, mm. my keys, my phone, and put it next to his. So it was close in proximity so that I was essentially watching my stuff, that's watching strange. his stuff. Now your stuff's hanging like, out with a stranger's stuff. Yeah, it was, I mean, I don't know when he came back. Lucky for him, I was in a flow state. Um, you know, you keep bringing up this flow state and it yeah. sounds like the, the main problem is that he interrupted the state. He did. Of flow. He did. But maybe they, next time, you need to be more clear yeah. about the fact that you're in a flow state. There was a weird excitement after it happened to share this story as a gripe. Yeah, yeah. And I know this is my personal excitement because the Reddit has kind of informed us. There's some people on the Reddit who think that these jokes, these ideas, these gripes get in the way of the content. Yeah, they got gripes with the gripes. Yeah. 
To which I say, you're listening to the wrong show. You're listening to the wrong show. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Everybody knows this show's about gripes, Samir. <laughs> this one comes from Reddit. This is from Mad Dog Harris. And just to go on the theme, this is a gripe with YouTube. It says, who else has multiple YouTube accounts as a viewer? The YouTube algorithm seems to be a little too efficient for its own good and captures people's interest in bubbles not showing any content outside of what we always watch. I have multiple accounts I use for multiple topics and interests, and this seems to be the only way to be recommended in new and interesting things. Anyone else do this? Yes, I do have multiple YouTube accounts yeah. because often I'm logged into the Colin and Samir account. And I got to be careful with what I watch on that account. Right, because the whole company then is watching. The whole company will know yeah. maybe what I did that week. Right. For instance. <laughs> yeah, gardening. I built a raised garden bed. Right, right. Over the weekend, and I had to watch a lot of videos about how to build a raised garden bed, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't feel like giving away my secret of what I did on Sunday. I'm pretty sure it was posted on Instagram. Sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Madeline posted it on Instagram, but for me, yeah, it was like you know I want to be the one to communicate sure. what I'm proud of on Monday to everyone in the yeah. office, not. Colin, did you do some gardening? Right. How do you know? Oh, because yeah, YouTube oh, recommendation. Because our yeah, homepage yeah, is full yeah. of gardening content. So, <laughs> and really yeah, funny. so yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the answer is yes. Like the algorithms are just so good um, right now. I would say like TikTok is the scariest. Like anyone looking at your For You page is just so familiar with the type of content you're watching. And this brings up an interesting conversation right now around Instagram. What's oh, Instagram? A lot of controversy around Instagram right now. I mean, I think like oh, that app that used to have photos, <laughs> I think, I think there's, there's people who have been feeling general frustration with Instagram, but it was punctuated with Kylie Jenner posting, make Instagram, Instagram again. I mean, she's one of the most followed on the platform. Yeah. I mean, it, it's happened with snap. Do you remember when she like said <laughs> snaps dead and their <laughs> stock just crashed? <laughs> It was yeah. like, that's unbelievable power that she has. Uh, but I mean, yeah. she posted this along with many other people, but right after she posted it, the CEO of Instagram, Adam Masseri, puts out a video on Twitter and on Instagram. There's a lot going on on Instagram right now. We're experimenting with a number of different changes to the app. And so we're hearing a lot of concerns from all of you. So I wanted to take a few moments and clarify a few things. Basically being like, hey, I know you all just saw what Kylie posted. Right. <laughs> But look, there's a lot of things that are going on here. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty wild thing, but it comes off the heels of Be Real being the number one most downloaded app in the App Store. Now, we made a short about Be Real um, because a lot of, like, our, I would say our office started, oh my God, I just got a Be Real notification. Wow. That's terrifying. Your phone's listening. My, uh, yeah, that's too real for me, Be Real. Um, so, Let's explain what Be Real is because it, it came to be in our office and it was like something all of our editors were using and we were like, what's what's going on, you know? And I'm so intrigued by this app and like how it's taken over. And, it, it, you know, there's a there's a moment in time with TikTok where I think a lot of people thought it was a fad. And I'm I'm curious your opinion. So now let's first explain. Can, can you contextualize what Be Real is? I, I wish that I could contextualize what Be Real is. I have yet to join Be Real. Oh, you don't, you're not on Be Real. I'm not oh, even I'm on, on Be Real. Okay, okay, so let me explain I think it. you let me should, because yeah. I may botch it. Okay, so every day you get a notification on your phone that says, it's time to be real. Now, there's a two-minute timer where you need to take a photo. It, it turns on your front-facing camera and your rear-facing camera. So you take a photo of yourself plus what's in front of you. So two photos are taken. You post that and that enables you to see other people's photos. You can't see other people's photos until you post. 
So once I post, like if I posted a, an image of us podcasting right now, then I can see everyone else's photos. And it all happens in a two minute window. So it's like appointment viewing for social. Also, it's a creative constraint. It's a creative constraint. Which makes it easier to post and it levels the playing field. Right now on Instagram, you could post absolutely anything, which is terrifying. Yeah. And the bar can be really high, right? Someone could post a blurry photo on Instagram of what they're eating. And right next to it, you have a video shot on a super expensive slow-mo camera or something like that, that yeah. costs thousands of dollars to make. That's right. But on Be Real, you know, you have to just use your phone, take it within that amount of time. So the, it's like the playing field is sort of level. Are you taking one of me right now? I'm trying, but okay, I, I, I missed it. What two minutes mean? is up, so I missed it. Oh, wow. It was at two seconds, and I couldn't get a good enough photo. But that's like, that's what happens. So I missed it. That, that two minutes is up. It's the anti-Instagram, and that's what we called it in our YouTube short. You yeah. know, there's no filters. It's, it's boring for a reason. It's number one right now. Instagram is less interesting because, I don't know, why is Instagram less interesting right now? Because of what you just said? Or is it because the reels, what, like, was making Instagram not as interesting? I think what people are angry about is the fact that their feed has, you know, over the past few years gone from what their friends are doing and mm -hmm. taking photos of to what strangers are doing and taking photos of to what strangers and brands are doing to now just random videos that are kind of like TikToks. Yeah. But Instagram and Reels doesn't have the, it's not the cultural machine anymore that TikTok is. If you go onto TikTok and you swipe actively, you're in tune with culture, yeah. what people are talking about. Right. And I think Instagram right now with reels just feels like a random group of videos mm. that you have no connection to. Yeah. And are not as good as what's happening on TikTok. So it's gone from this place that used to have a little bit of sentimental value. Yeah. Because you're connecting with friends, you know, and it's no longer that. And I think like, whereas on Facebook, even though Facebook is now for an older demographic, People can still connect with friends and yeah. local communities on Facebook. It's become a platform for that. You know, in Be Real, there's no follower. Like, you don't even see follower counts. You don't even know who the most followed person or the most engaged is. It's not about that. But is that, is it, is life just cyclical? Like, when Instagram came about and social media, and it's just like so interesting to see, you know, who becomes the most followed, the most influential, the most powerful. Like, that's still interesting just generally. Um, and like, it attached to human psychology and ego with be real. My, my thought when I look at it is like, is be real going to have a boredom problem soon? Like it's exciting right now. Cause it's new and novel. Was it boring? You know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of boring. Yeah, it's like, Oh, there's my friend at work. Oh, there's my other friend at work. There's my other friend. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Like now my friend's at a, I guess they're at a concert. Uh huh. If that is when they happen to take the photo. I don't know. It doesn't feel that interesting to me, but you know, I've also seen the perspective of people who just love it, who are having a great time. And I will never understand those people. You should download it. You should experience people. I guess you're right. I should, yeah. uh, before you I say should, that, yeah, you yeah. Should be before I cast off everyone who finds yeah. value, I should try it. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to turn this out to all of you guys. Like, are you guys using Be Real? And I'm, I'm downloading it right now. Yeah. Download it. I, I think it's interesting. There's, there's a generally interesting conversation right now about Instagram, Be Real, TikTok, um, and probably YouTube shorts and like the, the, you know, what is the world of short form vertical content, community content? Like if, if these platforms like Instagram and TikTok are there for us to be consuming, where do we create now as like just an average person who doesn't want to be a creator, but wants to connect with friends? 
it doesn't feel like Instagram's that place anymore, right? No. Or is it? I don't know. I don't think it's in Instagram's best interest anymore to be that. If you're an yeah. advertising-based business, yep. you just need people coming back again and again and again and again. Yeah. Which begs the question, what does Be Real do? How do they actually make money over time? Because the goal is it's, not to get you to be spend as much time as possible. Uh, it's probably appointment advertising where like for those two minutes, there's an ad. You know, or is there some, something happening? It's still so little money, like depending on what they're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, that's I don't like know. HQ trivia and that died. Yeah. All right. This is a conversation from the Reddit. It says, I feel like we should do something when Colin and Samir hit 1 million followers, but we don't have any good ideas. Someone said, what about an AMA, a live stream, virtual meetup, or everyone gets their best Colin and Samir costume together and sends in a photo. That's funny. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting experience, like looking out and being like, wow, we're, we've crossed 900,000 subscribers and probably 910,000 subscribers by the time this, this comes out or, or soon after this comes out. And like, we, we're going to get close to a million subscribers and, and it's going to happen. And that's, that's a really exciting metric. Should we us. do a subathon like Ludwig did? Yeah. Actually, and just go live for 24 hours in the office? I think that it'd be kind of fun to be live. I, I love, I think being live is really fun. I think being daily in some sort of way, like four days in a row or like a, a work week, right? Like all five days we have a video that comes out and we like react to current events or talk about you know things. I think having this conversation with the audience, I think that would be really cool. That so, would be interesting. Five yeah. days we make it. Yeah. A video every day for five days. And hopefully we hit the goal is like, by the yeah. end of this, we'll hit a million. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. And it can be topical videos. Like it still be what, yeah. what we do. We still talk about yeah, creators. We still talk but, about creators and, and, but we do it like every day and we're actually tracking the sub count and like we're, you're watching us, you know, experience that live. That's cool. And maybe I, we try and do same day uploads where it's like we shoot in the morning and get it out in the, in the afternoon or evening. And, and you're just watching us deal with that constraint. Of yeah. what can we make in a day? Yeah. And I, some of that is being inspired by Rhett and Link talking about that, you know, saying like, give us stuff to react to. Let us, you know, make some videos where you, you are following along for something. All right. Another question. This is from Tom. It says, I'm a pretty good introvert, but find myself in a position of being pretty well known in my space. The stopped in the street for selfies kind of way. Okay. As a new COVID world opens up, I've been invited to talk across the country for different events, and I love these. Sharing my knowledge and skills to new people and hearing the impact my content has on the audience is incredible fuel to keep going. I'm in the recreation space, so events are on the casual side of things, but I find the big crowds and constantly being on to be quite taxing. Any tips on staying sane through these situations? I'll say this, Tom, I could have written that. Yeah, that's why I wanted to read that one. I feel like you've said some of that to me. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I've come up with a solution because as I'm reading that, I'm just thinking of times when I've been at events and there's loud music on, there's tons of people. Samir is carrying a conversation and I'm just staring off into the distance. And then every once in a while, Samir notices that I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> I am not at that party anymore. Yeah. Physically, my body is there. Spiritually, I'm in another place. I, my only solution is I just try and leave early. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it is about kind of like, you know, it sounds like it's good that you know this about yourself. So understanding that you're only going to have so much energy when you do go to these events. And if you're speaking specifically, you know, make sure you don't overdo it before you speak and like yeah. put yourself in a good headspace for the thing that you're doing there. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, it's not like I don't enjoy being around people, but I'm probably like you where like, 
I my my tank empties quicker than Samir's. Samir Samir can talk and and I get a lot of for, energy from like being around like being in these events. Yeah, you're yeah, you're like an like elevator. Like people come to you and and you talk to them and you just continue to go up a floor. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I get excited. Am, like I I enjoy that. Yeah. I am a roller coaster. Mm. So I am going up the roller coaster. I peak. Yeah. And then I take a aggressive dip. It is a function of growing an audience on YouTube. Like you, this is, that is a part of it. You know, like you're going to events, you're speaking. Now at the same time, a lot of people who don't do stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know? And again, we talked about at the top of the episode, like what are common traits with successful YouTubers being extremely disciplined with your time and being like, hey, I'm not someone who gets a lot of energy from that. So I'm going to do it when it's absolutely necessary and I'm going to pick one a quarter or even less. I'm going to pick two a year. I'm going to pick one a year that I'm going to go to. It's going to be VidCon. It's going to be VidSummit. You know, whatever whatever your event's going to be, it's going to be Dubai. I'm going and doing that one event. I, that's, that's my recommendation in this because it is a bit part of the job, you know, but you can curate it into being, I'm only going to do one because like it's challenging for me. Also, it sounds like I'll just add that you may get stopped in the street more for selfies than I do. I don't have an overwhelming amount of selfies coming my way. Mm. Just saying. I'm not there yet. I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll never get there. So I don't don't really know. Nor am I. I I don't know what that feels like. I didn't tell you this, but uh, over the weekend, I had four people stop me just to say they liked the show. Wow. uh, Which was more than I think I've experienced. Like, it was almost like every time I walked out of my house, but... What was really cool was there's not like selfies. It's like, I want to talk to you about the creator economy. You yeah, know? that's true. Which yeah. is so interesting. It's like, hey man, I really like the show. And I'm like, oh cool. Do you work in content? They're like, yeah, we're going to an ad agency. Yeah, like, of oh course. cool. And what do you do? Oh, I work with creators on the, and you're like, oh great. Like we can just have this conversation and then see you later. You know, it's, it's like such a comfortable level of stopped on the street because it's just, yeah. hey, let's have a conversation I would otherwise have and then carry on. <laughs> All right. This is the last question. This comes from Lisa and Josh YT. Lisa and Josh, or or maybe this is just Lisa, but she had a lot of fears about posting on Reddit, but spun up a Reddit account to post this. And that I think is really nice. That's Lisa, so great. I, I appreciate it. Well, I think you. the Colin and Samir Reddit community is a very welcoming community. So, you know, if you're going to spin up a Reddit to join any Reddit, it's the Colin and Samir Reddit. Hi guys, absolutely love what you're doing. Find your insights to be super valuable. We've noticed the creatives you've covered, uh, none of them have been in the travel niche. Curious about if this is intentional, which creators are most excited uh, to cover? Yeah, that, I mean, that that's interesting. I think there's, I mean, there's countless niches we haven't gotten close to covering. You know, like there's so many corners of the internet. I think the natural space we exist in is what we're watching. You know, and I think that's the reality of how a lot of this comes together is either what we're watching or creators we're talking to. I think someone just noticed in a in a Tommy Init video that he like showed his Discord and like they they were like, oh, Colin and Samir. And it's like, I talked to Tommy like pretty regularly. Uh, and like that evolved into us doing an interview together. And so there's like, there's some like natural progression of who we're chatting with, of who are we naturally watching, generally curious about, uh, or like have a relationship with pre-existing, and I think the comment here around like exploring other niches is valid. Like I would, I think that's something that we will start to do more of and and explore more of. But at the same time, it has to, it has to be stuff that we're naturally you know to make it. We have to have a lot of natural energy around it. Yeah, and 
interviewing Thomas and Amar from Yes Theory, they are essentially a travel channel. Yeah. Um, if we were to do something with Johnny Harris, he used to be much more of a travel True. creator. Mm-hmm. We're also dealing with the fact that the show started to take off during the end of 2020, early 21, COVID, right? And there were so many travel creators before COVID. Mm-hmm. It was such a strong genre. Yeah. And it has become less of a genre, especially when our show started to take mm-hmm. off, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. not naturally sure. what we were watching yeah. and what maybe YouTube was watching as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, let us know. We always are asking for creators we should cover. And that always informs us of like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe we should explore that creator. We should explore that creator. So I would definitely say, Send us creators. Uh, we would love to hear from you of like who you think we should cover. Um, put them in the Reddit, put them on Twitter, just send them to us. We're always looking at creators that we should cover. And with that, Colin, I do want to say one final note, which is I know we brought it up, but if you are someone who wants to work in the creator economy and you're interested in working at Mr. Beast, he did just sponsor our newsletter and we will put the links uh, for the jobs site in this description of this podcast, but what a great opportunity. Go work with Mr. Beast. Like click the link, apply for one of the jobs, look at the 20 plus positions he's applying for. Um, check it out. Definitely think it's a great opportunity to to get your, you know, your your hands dirty. Even if you're an aspiring creator who's trying to figure out like if they want to work in YouTube, this is a great place to start. This is like a job you can have for a couple of years and then try and become a creator after if that's of interest. Yeah. And as you mentioned, those job listings, you can find them in the published press. And if you don't subscribe to the published press yet and you are interested in creators, then that's a gripe. That's a gripe. That, that would be that's a gripe. If you're listening to this and you're not subscribed to our newsletter, do us a solid. Subscribe to the newsletter. Publishpress.com. Because the, the team over there yeah. is cranking out great stories right now. Great really stories. informative stuff. And hot stories. Hot stories. Hot stories. Hot off the press. All right, we'll see you next week.